Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Base Hit Ball for Podcast, joined by Tyler Blumenstick, Scott Roswald. My name is Glenn Zanigris. No Alex Cashman here on this episode. This is our last episode before the regular season ends. So we have about six games to go, depending on who your team is, six, seven, eight games, whatever it may be. And we're starting to get a feel of what this playoff bracket is going to look like. The American League, that's pretty much all set. You got the Rays, uh, A's, and White Sox as your division winners. You have uh, right now the Twins who are battling with the Indians for that, or and the White Sox for that, who would get that second spot in the Central, the Yankees, and then the Astros by default in the AL West. And then those two wild cards look to be the third-place finisher in the AL Central and then the Toronto Blue Jays. So the American League is all set in terms of teams. Just the the last couple of days going to decide the seeding. National League, guys, a little bit different. We pretty much know four or five of the teams that are going to be in, but from that six seed down to that 10 seed, it's still wide open. A lot of teams that have an opportunity to make the playoffs, and that's where we're going to begin with Scott's Phillies, who are in the midst of a total meltdown here in the last 12 to 12 to 14 days of the season. Leading the Nationals right now, I believe they got the win, right, Scott? They got the win today? Uh, they're up 12-1 in the so, top of the ninth. Yeah. So it looks it's, not like, over, it's not over yet, though. It looks like, you know, God forbid the Phillies blow this. It looks like the Phillies are going to hold on and salvage this series with the Nationals. But, Scott, yesterday you cannot have been happy with losing both ends of a doubleheader and the second one coming off of a walk-off home run by a 32-year-old rookie, his first major league shot, just a dagger to the Phillies playoffs. So the floor is all yours. You can destroy your Phillies. You've been waiting all day for this. Yeah, as you said, yesterday was just probably one of the worst days I've had in a long time. This whole series in D.C. has been an absolute mess. The Nationals are a team that is absolutely – they're absolutely dead. They've been dead all year. They have nothing going on. And the Phillies just went down there and have looked like total garbage. Uh, Just terrible pitching performances, minus tonight from Zach Eflin. The bullpen, once again, absolutely shit the bed. Brandon Workman is an absolute travesty of a pickup for the Phillies from the Boston Red Sox. I saw something, I saw a tweet the other day that if he had hit free agency last year, Brandon Workman would have been looking at somewhere around $30 million. He's getting nowhere close to that once he hits free agency this offseason. The other guy in that piece, Keith Hembry, has been awful, is now on the IL with an injury it's just been an absolute mess and they're not hitting anymore outside of tonight Bryce Harper has literally injured his back from carrying this team all season long apparently it's been a month-long injury for this team it's been an absolute for him it's he's done everything he can but at a certain point you just you can't do it JT Romuto is playing with a hip strain re-aggravated it last night busting his ass down the line, putting everything on the line for a team that doesn't even want to re-sign him, where the GM is coming out, and Matt Klentak the other day, when he was asked about the trade, was like, well, we knew what we were getting. We were getting two years of control of JT. We knew that Sixto Sanchez was going to be this phenomenal player, but we said, hey, we'd rather have two years of JT or Muto, and hell, we might let him walk in free agency. The guy is literally playing injured in a position that is one of the most position important positions on the field 
he's busting his ass for you and you're not even going to commit to him long term. For me, it's not the players. I, I know I said in our group, or I tweeted out yesterday that this team has no heart. I was just super angry. I'm more mad at the front office in general, mainly Matt Klintak for being just awful, for just disrespecting this fan base because they've had people out there at the stadium every single night since day one. Whether they're on the road, there's people outside of that stadium cheering the team on. You don't see that very many other places. There's a guy, I saw a tweet today, there's a guy that went down to D.C. and is outside of the stadium tonight cheering on the Phillies after the shit show of performance that they've put out the last couple of days. The fans are still here supporting them. And the front office has just been an absolute, absolute travesty for the last couple of years. Outside of the Bryce Harper signing, they haven't done anything to help this team build. And one of the other things I've been thinking about is we fired a guy, Ruben Amaro Jr., a few years back now, who helped build this team into a World Series contender. And we fired him essentially over holding on to people too long because we held on to Rollins Utley. We gave the contract to Ryan Howard that he got. And we ran Amaro out of town for nothing. And we bring in this Matt Klintak guy who's just a math nerd from Dartmouth. Who, who does he really understand baseball? Does he know how to run an organization, build a franchise? I don't think he does. And I, I, at this point, if the Phillies don't make the playoffs, because it's not looking great for them because they got to go down to Tampa next and play three more games against the Rays, who are one of the best teams in baseball, Matt Klintak has to go. And they need to just bring someone in who understands the game of baseball to build this team re-sign JT Romuto, and build around Bryce Harper. They went and signed Bryce Harper for a reason, because they wanted to win again. And if they don't, it's just an absolute waste. It's a slap in the face to this fan base who cares so much about the Phillies. That's it for me. I mean, it seems like the problem with the Phillies, we've been talking about it since the beginning of the season, this bullpen is awful. I mean, they go out there... And they acquire guys like a Didi and a Bryce Harper and a Gene Segura and an Andrew McCutcheon and a JT Romuto and a Jake Arrieta. And they have, they have Nola as the frontline starter. So you look at their roster and in a season where the playoffs are expanded, you would think that, you know, it's a slam dunk that this team would make the playoffs. This team right now is on the outside looking in. They are 27 and 29. They're behind the Giants and Brewers for the last for the Giants and the Brewers and the Reds in the in the in the in the um in the standings, it, and uh, you can't tell me that those rosters are better than the Phillies roster. You can't tell me that the Giants have a better team than the Phillies. The problem is they seem to ignore this bullpen, which everyone knew was a weakness going in. This is a team, a franchise in a rabid fan base in a great city that hasn't made the playoffs since 2011. And I feel like if they don't make the playoffs, that is strictly on the lack of moves in the bullpen. They got that Red Sox trade at the end of August at the deadline, but that's, that wasn't, you know, they're on lights out. Workman isn't a lights out reliever. So 
the no. one thing that's killing that's killed this team all season has been that bullpen. Absolutely, in his last stretch, they get ahead every single game. They've hit. I thought I think the number was like 46, 48 first inning home runs this year. They get ahead every single game. And the it's every single night the bullpen just finds a new way to lose it. it and you're right, it was from the get-go, from the start of the season, we knew it was going to be an issue. They chose to go cheap and start with guys that were unproven, had no track record whatsoever. They tried to fix it, but the guys that they brought in have been a mess. Workman's been terrible. Henry's been terrible. We thought David Phelps was going to be a guy that came over from the Brewers. He's kind of figured it out over the last couple outings, but he's still been bad. And one of the teams that you brought up that are ahead of them right now are the San Francisco Giants, who are managed by Gabe Kapler, who we quickly, quickly ran out of town. I mean, I don't think he is a great manager, but imagine this. That's a huge slap in the face, a kick to the crotch. If Gabe Kapler makes the postseason this year and the Phillies are sitting at home watching him play manage postseason baseball, like I, I, I'm just like, I, it's a, amazing what they've done. They're on pace to be the worst bullpen in baseball history. Like, it's unfathomable that they couldn't figure this out. I mean, I saw a stat, Scott, not to get you more angry. I saw a stat, like, Bring it were, all they've, they've been in the lead in, like, 40-something of their 50-something games. Yeah, it, it's, it's every single night they find some way to do it. And Juan Soto just hit a two-run home run, so it's now 12-3. to three. Here we go. What a comeback. And- I'm sweating now. I'm sweating because if they lose this game, this will be the end of me. You guys will see it live here on Base Hit Ball 4. Oh We're going to get so many downloads. And, if- an absolute meltdown of a human being would happen on this, on this feed right now. Oh, man. Tyler, what are your thoughts on what's going on with the Phillies so far? It's just what frustrating is- to me because I, I don't understand how this team – like, I, I get it. I fully understand the bullpen issues. But, like – I don't understand how this lineup isn't one of the best in baseball. Like, is it I, – I, like, I don't watch enough Phillies baseball to really go too deep into it. But, like, if you look at it on the surface, like, you have Bryce Harper. You have – you have Andrew McCutcheon, who's a good baseball player. Um, Jay Bruce is a veteran. He can put the bat on the ball. Um, Didi Gregorius, Gene Segura. You have a young guy in Alec Bohm. You have – Phenomenal Scott, player. What's that? Alec Bohm is a phenomenal baseball player. Oh, without a doubt. Um, I mean, I, I do know a little bit about Scott Kingery, and he needs to really step it up because he was supposed to be, I mean, somebody that was going to be an integral part of that infield. Um, and, Scott, like you mentioned, that's sore subject with JT Romuto behind the plate, best catcher in baseball. Like, this lineup should be able to score runs. It's just they're, they're missing, I feel like, what, an everyday center fielder. Yeah, um, they need to find that. And – some infield help like it's they're not that far off but it's frustrating that they're not as good as they should be and i i can sympathize with your frustration but i I don't fully understand how it feels to be in a phillies fan's shoes we did get like a 10 game stretch of it as a yankee fan but i don't know 20 game stretches it's rough i mean you bring up the offense it's not the offense's fault no they're they're top 10 in just about every 
statistical category as a team. They, they produce. Um, but as yeah, you, you said center field is a huge problem. Mm-hmm. Um, Rome, I love Roman Quinn. He's one of those guys where I'm just enamored by him. His skill set sh- should make him a great baseball player, but he tries to hit home runs, which is an, the guy's 5'9 and is the fastest guy in baseball. Like, he shouldn't be trying to hit home runs. Adam Hazley is like, eh. Like, but like, it's another, like, I know the draft in baseball isn't as important as other sports, but they've drafted terribly. Outside of Bohm and Aaron Nola, they have not drafted well. They've been one of the wor- they were one of the worst teams in baseball for a wh- from 2012 till now. They were had high draft picks and they had they hit on Nola and they hit on Bohm. They had a number one overall pick in Mini- Mickey Moniak, who is now up in the big leagues, who looks absolutely lost, terrible, can't hit a- for a-, a lick. Adam Hazley was a top ten pick, and another guy, Cornelius Randolph, who's Double A, maybe, who's awful. Like, they just – they haven't hit in the areas there, like drafting-wise, like bringing in talent to develop. Another thing I said to my parents yesterday was, like, when was the last time they hit on a, like, a Latin American-based signing? The best two players in our division are Juan Soto and Ronald Acuna. Both were signed out of Latin America – Anybody could have gotten them, but the Phillies don't seem to play in that pool base of young talent. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm just lost. I, I, I think they can still make the playoffs just based off of talent, but I, I'm just I'm sad. I'm angry. I felt all the emotions over the last couple of days. It, it's, it's been a roller coaster, guys. It really has been. Well, they are... 27-29, they're two games out if you're looking at Miami for the second spot in the division. I feel like that might be easier to get in terms of, in terms of you know, just teams you have to pass. The Yankees yeah, play Miami. I, I need some help, guys. I need some yeah, help. We're gonna try, well, we're not doing well <laughs> we because the Yankees we, that basis. We, need, we need to help ourselves because the Yankees are having a miserable game in Toronto right now. Uh, Scott, Glenn, I this, think, wait, can I just interject real quick? Glenn, I think yeah. you need to take like, a minor sedative because we clinched the playoffs. We're gonna play somebody. We're the no, best team they in the need American to keep, They need to play well because you. I want the home. We'll get into it later, but like, you need the home field in the wild card series. That's what I want. You don't need it. That's the thing. It's a series. Well, you know what? Bases loaded, nobody out. You need to score a run, and they didn't score a run. I mean, fair it point. was just Sanchez struck out, then Luke Voigt popped up, and then Glaber popped up. You're gonna get three. no argument from me there. I am. I think you need to capitalize. Also, they're deep. Awful. Their defense today has been terrible, and you know, we'll get to the I Yankees. Watching much, but right now it's we're talking about the Phillies. If they don't make the playoffs, Scott, there has to be some sort of sacrificial lamb, and you're pointing at the GM because you're not going to fire yes. Girardi after one year. Obviously, it's not the offense's fault, and you know when you t- t- think about a bullpen, bullpens are built by the general manager. That's one of the most important things of their job is to build a solid bullpen. So it ha- it would have to be the GM now. Uh, easily, it, Matt Clentak is getting sent to the moon and never coming back. I'll pick him up. I'll drive him down to NASA or uh, Elon Musk and his SpaceX program so they can put him on a ship and send him far, far away because I, I can't stand him anymore. 
I feel like, like does there have to be a sacrificial lamb though? Like it there does has there really to be. need it has to be. be in a season a like this where everybody season. makes the playoffs. It's a sixty game season. Robertson is hurt. Like supposed to be a big part of that. Would playoff. Robertson make the, if Robertson played this year with the Phillies being in the playoffs? Does he make that much of a difference? He would. They would be in for sure. I would say he'd help a little bit, but. He's only one guy in that bullpen. They, but it's, uh, what, it's how many games nine? did you blow in the eighth and ninth inning where in a high-leverage spot you could have counted on a veteran guy like David Robertson? Out of the last ten games, it's been six. Yeah, like those are wins that you should be getting. Like that's the thing. Like it's, it makes a huge difference to have a big lockdown guy. Not that he's very locked down anymore or ever really was super locked down, but it's a good arm in that bullpen. And, yeah, but you know, if your bullpen goes down the twos because one guy got hurt, that's an indicative yeah. on your player development and your roster building, isn't it? You but can't as just... far as hitting your stride, I feel like it's harder to hit your stride as a, as a pitcher because it's in today's game, everybody throws the same velocity for the most part, and you need to be able to hit your spots. And if you – they didn't have a full routine like they usually do preseason. They, they're already – technically should still be in April, early May in – or late May, early June in terms of a season. Like it's look, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't feel like it's the time to rush and make moves as far as big personnel changes. I don't I think Girardi's safe. I would hope he's safe at least. Um, but I don't know. I feel like the GM needs to go out and grab somebody. Like they need to go grab players if he's not the one gone himself. And I don't know if now's necessarily the time to do Yeah, that. but do you trust the current GM to make those decisions? I mean he signed Bryce Harper, did he not? It took him till like March. He, I mean, he they had signed Bryce Harper, but I I attest that more to the owner John Middleton yeah. for the effort that he put in. For the guy was on his private plane flying out to Vegas like every other week to go yeah. visit Bryce. Like, I mean, I guess. But they've they've had two September meltdowns the last two years. Like, they've been in it the last two years going into September and they fell apart. Yeah. So there's there's a track record now. Gabe Kapler went last year after the two meltdowns. He was the sacrificial lamb. The next step has to be the GM. So, sorry, Matt Clintac, you're done. It's it's definitely tough. You need to find the right guys because they're obviously not going to fire Girardi because then you'd be firing Kapler and Girardi in back-to-back years. And what does that look like as an organization? But it's tough because not only do you have to build a bullpen this offseason, you got to keep JT Romuto. That's number and, one. And you, are you, if I was a Phillies fan, I'd feel much better with a new GM trying to re-sign him because the current negotiations obviously haven't gone well between McClintock and Brimuto because he hasn't been signed yet. Yeah, I feel like fresh face in there would be would be huge for those negotiations because you said it. It clearly hasn't gone well. If he's worth three games away from the postseason and there's no contract. And there's no one near in sight. Um, that that's priority number one. It, ha- it has to be. If if he doesn't sign here, there's going to be a revolt. The people are going to be losing their minds. Uh, you have to just to save face. He, he's the, he's a fan, he's probably the fan base's favorite player. Would he not be? I think Bryce is the fan base's favorite player. I I think he's the best player on the team. No knock to Bryce Harper, but JT's just a little bit better just for the defensive purposes. The guy throws every base runner out. Nobody runs on him when they – if they do, he, they get thrown out. He hits for average. He hits for power. And the guy can run. He's one of the fastest players in the league. 
and he's playing catcher. So he he does everything. I need I need it. I need him signed. I don't care what it takes. Just back up the truck. We got the money. Give it to him. Keep him okay. here, please. Did they did they close it out? Yes, they did. 12-3. Okay, we're good. We're so good we're, for just Scott can breathe for the day. day. So they moved to what, 28 and 29? 28 29, a game behind the Marlins. The Marlins are losing to the Braves as I, as we speak. I are they? So that's checked. that's big. So then it'll be a half game. It is 9 4 Atlanta at the moment. Let's go, Braves. Not something I say very often. That's big. Um, and then the Mets are losing. So you don't, you're not worried about the Mets because no, the Mets are, Mets are cooked. We're worried about the Giants who play later and the Reds and Brewers. Where are the Reds and Brewers at today? Reds are up 6-1 in the seventh. Going in Against the, the Brewers. Okay. Yeah. So you're gaining on a couple teams at least. Yeah. They're, they gained, hopefully they're gaining ground tonight. So we're going to take a deep breath, as Tyler told me to do five minutes ago with the Yankees, but I don't listen to my own advice. But we're going to take a deep breath. Listen to mine. And we're going to just assume, hopefully, knock on wood, that the Marlins and the Brewers and the Reds, they, uh, they help the Phillies out. Because it'd be fun as we go into the postseason, especially on this show, if we had both our teams in the playoffs yes. but let's talk about the rest of the national league playoffs because that's the that's the playoffs that still need to be sorted out we got the dodgers they've clinched basically everything atlanta clinched the division yesterday the cubs are going to be in the playoffs the padres are going to be the playoffs padres with a big big loss it looks like with clevenger who was scratched from his start i believe on sunday was it with the biceps and then it acted up today Mm-hmm. And he left after one inning. So that's something to look at if you're a Padres fan because that was the big fish that they got at the trade deadline to kind of help them propel into from a playoff team to a championship caliber team. So that could be a huge blow. The rest of the, the, rest of the National League is tough because, you know, the, you got the Cardinals, Miami, Cincinnati, Milwaukee, San Francisco, and Philadelphia all vying for those spots. I, I think St. Louis is going to be safe, but – out of the Miami, Cincinnati's, Milwaukee, San Francisco, and Philadelphia, a fun little question: Which team of the bottom half of the National League playoff bracket do you think is the most dangerous going into the playoffs? I would say the Reds. Um, I mean, assuming they make it, um, I think their first two starters in Trevor Bauer and Sonny Gray are just two, the two of the best pitchers in baseball this year, and it's just. One of those years where people can catch fire and these guys have caught fire. And that lineup has some pop. It has veteran guys. It has people that really want to go out and play. Like Joey Votto, I can imagine how bad he wants to get to the postseason um, before his time is up in the MLB. But it's – I don't know. That's the first two pitchers to face are very tough. And I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the Reds as well. Um, don't forget about Luis Castillo. Yeah. N- another great – pitcher uh they went out and they spent to make the postseason they were a team that said we're gonna spend money and we're gonna we're gonna push this team over the edge to make that postseason run um i I was watching a little bit of mlb central this morning i think it was mark DeRosa said that you know the the brewers are a team that's gonna possibly scare people as well for the back end of their bullpen uh with josh Hader and what's the rookie's name devin williams that kid is come onto the scene as a, as a great reliever plus Corbin Burns, who's been really good for them in the rotation. 
they don't have the lineup that really scares people. Yelich has been down this year. Um, it's not the same offense that they were a couple years ago. Um, I, I would think it's the Reds. And not to be biased, but I think if the Phillies get in offensively, they can scare a team. I don't think a team is going to be scared of them bullpen pit, bullpen wise, but the Phillies are going to be able to hit. Yeah. Plus Nola Wheeler and Zach Eflin as a one, two, three is pretty scary in a wild card situation. Um, but I, I would agree with Ty. I think it's the Reds are the scariest team at the bottom there. If the season ended today, the Reds would be the seven seed. They would take on the Braves, which would be the two seed in the Houston portion of the, the Houston quadrant of the bracket. Um, so you, I, I can totally see a scenario where the Reds beat the Braves two out of three. You can see a situation where any of these teams beat any team two out of three. Even a series like it would be the Rays and the Blue Jays um, in the American League wildcard series. All these teams can beat a team two out of three, and that's kind of what baseball wanted in this situation, in, the, in this kind of expanded playoffs that they did. I think it's going to be really exciting. Um, it's always postseason baseball is always exciting, but with the current setup, it, it's going to be great seeing a three game series. I know I've pushed for it. I know the reasons behind why they want to keep the one game wild card um, just for money purposes. I know Manfred has said that they want to keep this. I don't. I don't. I don't, either. I don't want the expanded playoffs moving forwards because I, I really think it devalues the regular season moving forwards. Um, but this year, it's been a weird year, obviously. We all know. So why not get weird for the postseason? I, I'm glad you said that about Manfred because I wanted to bring it up. I'm not against expanding the playoffs. My problem is there needs to be more of an incentive to win the division. Because you win the division, you have this fantastic year. Let's say this was exp- expanded the season into a normal 162 and the Dodgers win 115 games. And then just to play a three-game series, I don't think that's fair. If they would change kind of the setup and perhaps give the top two seeds or the top seed in the league a buy, I think a buy needs to be implemented to make this work. Because what's the point of winning 115 games if you're just going to get a a three-game series against a team that won 78 to 80 games, and then it's a crapshoot because it's only two out of three, and any team can beat any other team two out of three. That's my problem with this setup. For this season, I like it. Because you know it gets more teams involved and more fan bases involved, but under under a normal you know c- circumstance with 162, I don't think this is a good idea at all. I really think it hurts the game. All right, hear me out on this. I, I agree with what you said. So ima- imagine we shorten the season a little bit, so we end on the same time. You shorten the regular season to maybe about 145 games. Then you keep this the way it is. You extend the earlier rounds so wild card you can either make it three or five because no matter what like if if you keep it like this and you have wild card teams that are still deserving of making this or even if you don't do the expanded playoffs and you still extend the, the series quicker or you extend the series quicker in the playoffs in the early rounds they will be allowed to play more baseball because you can be rewarded for going through 140 games which is not it's not a slouch season. Like that's a lot of games still. I feel like I'm rambling. I'm not really making my point very well, but basically if you're playing a 140 game season and you go in and you get a wild card spot, 
like you said before, say the Dodgers win 115 games, the Padres win 113, they're still technically a wild card team. So they should be able to play a three or five game series early there. And I don't know. Hey, should you be rewarded in 140 games if you go 70 and 70? Do you well, deserve to be in the playoffs? But how often do you see that? That's the thing. Like, I mean, we're seeing, we're going to see it this year. There's going to be a team that's 30 and 30. Thing over the course of a full 162, you don't see a 500 team sneaking in the wild card, really. But they will. If you extrapolate this season out 162, 81 and 81 team like the, you know, the Phillies or the or the Brewers who are exactly 500 right now, that would be extrapolated into an 81 and 81 season. Do we want those teams yeah. in the playoffs? No, but I, I feel like then the more logical answer would be to just keep the playoffs back at the original number and still expand the playoffs, but not allow more teams in, but lengthen the uh, Okay, so you one make you would make card, the, you make the one wild card series two or three, and then make the ALDS even make like it a five. It's not like a, it, you're not a bad team for making the wild card. You just no, you're not a bad team. The problem with expanding a series like the wild card game that mm-hmm. we saw in the what's been implemented the last like ten, eight, eight to ten yeah. years is that the teams that are waiting have to wait a long time before they get to play again. Oh, that's a good point. That's a, that's because if it's really three out of five that, and it goes five, then the number one seed who is waiting for the wild card winner would be off for like a week. That's a good point. That's not that's not good. That is a good point. No, I didn't I didn't factor that in, but that makes sense. What do you think, Scott? Do, I, I Manfred is kind of hinting that this is here to stay. Um, do you, do you like the way it's set up? I, you just said it. You don't you don't like the way it's set up. How would you fix it, or would you completely throw it out and go back to what it's been? I I, I think I was throw it out, go back to where it was, division winners and two wild cards. And I would make the wild card a three-game series. I've been pushing for that. Three of five or two of three? Two two of three. So best of three series like they're going to do this year. Because I think if you did five, it then sets back even that team that wins gets set back pitching-wise it's more innings on those guys. So if they make a deep run, you know, by if they got from, you know, they make it to the World Series, you know, they're going to be a little more taxed than, you know, another team that's on the, you know, opposite end. But the expanded playoffs are helping my team. They're giving yeah. the Phillies life still a breathing chance at this point to make the postseason because it's, it's, it's expanded. If we had that shortened postseason, you know, it's over. I'm sitting here in a whole different situation. So I do like that, but I'd rather, I'd rather the old setup moving forwards next year. You can keep the DH and anything else, but the, the postseason go back to normal. It devalues it. We see it in the NBA. There's terrible teams that make the postseason that don't belong just because we have to put somebody there. So, Go back to the old way. Don't don't keep this. That's where I'm at. Last point I'll make on this before we move on to the American League is that the one thing we're getting robbed of with this expanded playoff format is kind of seeing how these fan bases who otherwise wouldn't be really into baseball in August, September, like be really into it. Like if fans were allowed in to stadiums at full capacity, we would see Marlins Park filled for the first time ever. Like, when have we ever seen more than, like, 200 fans at Marlins Park? Like, if they're in the sixth seed competing for the division on September 23rd, like, we, we, we would never see that before. And that's something we could have seen 
um, if this is if this was a normal like world that we were living in. So we're getting robbed of that thing. I think that's why Manfred wants this so bad is to get these markets and this revenue kicked in that otherwise would not be available because you know teams a lot of teams in Major League Baseball their season's over by June. Like even the teams that won't make the playoffs this year, Baltimore was in it in mid September. They have a good fan base. Detroit was in it a couple up till a couple of weeks ago. Los Angeles is still kind of in it. They're not eliminated right now, and it's September 23rd. So I think what Manfred wants is to get as much meaningful baseball in September as possible, even if that means that playoff baseball might feature a few teams that are near 500. That might be what he's going for. Yeah, it's certainly understandable. And, I mean, I don't know if the Marlins are a team that you said that they might have fans. I, I really don't know. Because we've never um, seen it, so we have no true. Idea. We've never seen it, but you you said Baltimore. Baltimore has a good fan base. Like mm-hmm. a couple when those teams were good and making postseason runs, those stadiums were full. They were packed. Um, Detroit has a good fan base too. It, it, that's probably the the reasoning behind it. I I can get behind that trying to juice up, get people more excited, um, get them on our level because you know we all love baseball doesn't really matter. Like, I'll still watch postseason baseball if the Phillies don't make it, like, just because that's that's who I am. So, I guess trying to expand the game that way is what Manfred's going for. I pose a question. Um, do you think that expanding the playoffs promotes kind of that tanking mentality or no? Because I have a follow-up to this also, depending on – I think on- it would probably get rid of the tanking mentality and See, I, it would also I, kill the trade deadline because all these teams yeah. are going to be in it i agree but I'm, I'm also i'm thinking i mean i guess my reasoning behind this is if you expand the playoffs and you get more teams in it's not like teams that are 500 aren't going to be incentivized to go make those moves and but like you said also it does take away from the deadline because there's less sellers um and more buyers it's kind of an imbalance in the market but those teams that come in seventh and eighth that would not have gotten in the playoffs without the expanded format. There's still no glory for just for not making it to the world series and winning that. Like if you make it to the playoffs, like, yeah, you can put a little notch in your belt. Like, Hey, we made the playoffs this year, wild card team, 2020 or whatever year it's going to be. You still are going to build your team for a world series run. And I feel like it'll incentivize teams and kind of do more of the opposite effect than that tank mentality because teams will know like, Hey, we have a chance to sneak in here. Like we might not be at our best in the regular season, but, as we go on throughout the playoffs and go into the World Series, we're not going to be able to compete with these big dogs if we don't kind of go out and make moves like the big guys do. So, It would probably, I guess, let's say a team like the Marlins now makes the playoffs. Right now they'd be facing the Cubs. So if they push, to a, if they push the Cubs to a game three and they end up losing in extras or whatever, they might go into that winter and say, hey, we were, that, we were a starter away from beating the Cubs and making it to the next round of the playoffs. Now let's go get that starter and sign a Trevor Bauer to bring to Miami. So that might incentivize teams to not only not tank, but also spend money in free agency. For sure. No, I agree. I I think to the opposite effect of that, the team that we've talked about a lot is Cleveland, how they don't really want to spend. Their ownership isn't big on spending money. They gave up one of their better players in Clevenger, and they're still going to make the postseason. So they might, their ownership might say, hey, see, see fan base, we don't have to spend a lot of money to make the postseason. 
we can still do it without a Clevenger. We don't have to go. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if they're still in contention after the whole Lindor situation gets, um, you know, aired out. If they're still making the postseason at that point, their ownership is going to be like, hey, see, fan base, we're fine. We can do it. We can do it without spending a ton of money. Um, just as, you know, Cash's favorite term, playing devil's advocate, you know, the opposite side of the argument. There you go. I think every organization would be different under these circumstances. I think some would go for it, and then some might just play back and just kind of say, hey, we're fine with making the seventh seed with a limited payroll. And then when that happens, that's up to Manfred to kind of, you know, nudge organizations to like, hey, you got to start trying. Because we've seen teams like, you know, the Pirates never do anything. And I think that's more detrimental to Major League Baseball than teams that would make the playoffs but not really spend to like get to the ALCS or to the World Series. I think what's more detrimental to the games are the teams that don't even care. I think that's a bigger problem than what the Indians are trying to do. But we're going to move on to the Yankees. 32-23. and 23, um, They've been they had that 10 game winning streak last week um they've got they've had like the seesaw effect where they won one lost one the win one lost one um kind of just waiting for the playoffs to start they don't seem extra motivated to get that wild card series ty says that's not a big deal i disagree but the one thing i do want to talk about to start off our yankee conversation is what's going on with garrett cole and that is when every time he pitches it's higashioka behind the plate and not Gary Sanchez. Now, we saw this when they won the World Series in 2009 with A.J. Burnett, when he, him and Posada just didn't sink. So Jose Molina started every single playoff game started by Burnett. Are we cool with Cole and Higashioka Battery in the playoffs, or even though he's had a miserable year, do you still want that threat of Gary Sanchez in every game possible in the playoffs? What are your thoughts on that? I am okay with it. I think that I'm here. I'm on the Higgy train. I Look, he's not the future behind the plate. I didn't realize he was 30. I think I said it on this episode. Well, I don't remember if it was on or off air, um, or on the show, rather. But, look, I think that especially keeping your starters straight in a, in a do-or-die game in the playoffs is probably the most important thing that you can do because that's why you went out and got that guy. So you want Garrett Cole to be as comfortable as possible, whether it's – I mean, it could possibly be the last game you see him pitch in 2020. Um if he if that game doesn't go right and he the battery's not correct with him and Higgy or him and Sanchez, depending on which way you want to put it out there. So if he's truly more comfortable with Higgy, I say go for it. You can always put Judge in the outfield. You can put Stan in the outfield. You can put um, whatever uh, third outfielder you want out there. And you could DH Sanchez. But I, I think you having – I mean, and Higgy hasn't really shown that he can't handle it up, up at the plate. Like you saw him hit three home runs just about a week ago. Like, this guy can do his job, and he can do it well, and he can do it professionally. So, look, if that's going to keep Garrett Cole straight, I'm okay with it. So, Yeah, I, I don't see how you can even trust Gary Sanchez moving forward. It's, he's been I don't think so either. horrible this year. 58 strikeouts in 162 plate appearances. He has 21 hits. It's been bad. Higashioka's been hot. You know, he's playing well. He's got confidence. And if him and Cole have something going, as Todd said, you want Cole in the best mindset whatsoever on the mound in the postseason. Um, I mean, the Astros never got a ton of production out of their catchers. 
and they put guys behind the plate that are defensively sound that the pitching staff could trust. And if that's the, that's Higgy for for Cole, then I think that's got to be the move. And you can you can get Sanchez. Maybe Sanchez gets hot in you know a couple games and in, into the postseason. But I, I, as somebody outside of the fan base, I just don't see how you can trust him whatsoever. Cole in his last three starts has gone seven innings in each start. He's given up two hits, then three hits, then five hits. He's given up only two earned runs in the 21 innings. And he has, as I try to do quick math, 24 strikeouts in 21 innings. And he's dropped his ERA down from once once was hovering around four down to 2.8. So all the talk about how in the beginning of the season he was struggling, he might not be the guy he was in Houston, he certainly, you know, turned it around very, very quickly. And he seems to be back into that, you know, Garrett Cole best pitcher in baseball or at least top two kind of situation i agree with both of you guys i don't trust sanchez not only in cold starts i don't trust him in any start i know it's i it's kind of an exaggeration or kind of a being hypercritical to say that higashioka should be catcher number one when we get into the playoffs for every single game but if Sanchez continues to strike out, let's say game two against Tanaka, he goes 0 for 4 with 4Ks, and the Yankees move on anyway, going into the next round. And how much can you trust Gary Sanchez, especially in the playoffs, when you have to face guys like a Kentai Maeda in Minnesota or a Lucas Giolito in Chicago or a Glass now in Tampa? I don't trust him against any of these guys. It, I think it's a big problem for the Yankees, not only in the postseason, but if you bench him in the postseason – what does that do for his confidence moving forward? This is supposed to be the guys that are supposed to be a staple of this franchise for years to come. I don't think it's time to give up on him necessarily yet. Look, I, I don't know. Like, it's, but when is it though? Because he was miserable in last year's playoffs. I don't too. know, and I know and he was miserable in 2018. We're getting there. I know it's close, but I'm not ready to just throw in the towel on Gary Sanchez yet. Like this was a guy. This is a guy with 40 home run power when he's on. I don't know if he'll ever get there because of his inconsistency. But if healthy, this guy has 40 home run power. And, look, it's unfortunate that we haven't seen it yet. I mean, he's just, like, one of the most hot and cold baseball players up at the plate I've ever seen. Not, and behind the plate, like, it, everybody knows it. It's lacking. And I feel like there's not much more to say. It's just a matter of that question, when is when. Um, I don't think now is the time. But – I, I don't know. I really couldn't put a finger on it. Like maybe one more year, but then say we go into next year and you keep him around, which I expect to completely happen. What production do you need out of him? Like what's the average got to be? How many home runs does he have to hit? What, how does he have to contribute to solidify himself as a guy that, that Brian Cashman wants going forward as um, a Yankee? Like, I, I don't know. He, he needs to cut out the K percentage. It has to be close to 45% striking out. So I guess that begs the question, like for guys like Aaron Judge who, and Giancarlo Stanton, not so much for Judge. I know he gets the strikeouts, but um, I don't think it's necessarily at the clip that Stanton strikes out. Is it okay to have three of those guys? Like say he does get the home run production and he hits 250, but his Ks are still there. Does he still get that same pass? I don't know because it seems like more and more that Major League Baseball decision makers and front office people don't care about strikeouts. Because what's worse, a strikeout or a double play? Strikeout, a double play is worse than a strikeout because well, double play is too much. But 
to have three guys that strike out a lot, that's a third of your lineup that's going to strike out most of the time. And we talk about how double plays are worse than strikeouts, but, you know, when you put the ball in play, an error can also happen. Or a little bleeder can sneak through the infield for a base hit. That can also happen. But, you know, you can't hit 143 and you can't strike out 50% of the time. No, I agree. It's unacceptable. I don't care who you are. I'd say the same thing if it was Judge or Glaber or Stan. You can connect it back to the whole Phillies talk we had before about that sacrificial lamb and how it's time to cut somebody loose. I don't know if that really – I don't know if the whole notion after a 60-game shortened season is really – I don't think letting somebody go is worth it. Like, it's – you don't – it's a 60-game sample. Like, it's just – doesn't sit right with me that people can make these major moves. I know it's going to happen. Um, we could have seen it with like Mookie Betts and the Dodgers, like had they not resigned him. But I don't know. It's I just don't know if now is the time to move on. It's just like a weird evaluation. It's the same thing for scouts, um, guys you want to go after. Like it's you're weighing them on a different scale than you're used to, and I don't know. Just got to really look at it, and I'm sure the professionals are going to figure it out. I don't know how to figure it out. I'm not a professional scout. I'm not in an MLB front office, but I don't know. It's interesting how it's going to uh, play out, but I think the clock is definitely ticking on Gary Sanchez. Yankees are down six to one as we speak. So after their 10 game winning streak, they're going to lose three out of, they're going to look like they're going to about to lose three out of the last four, which is, you know, whatever. It doesn't seem like they really care about that home field advantage. So they're going to be locked into that five seed. So it's either going to be the twins or the white Sox for the Yankees. Now, we all know the history with the Twins, how they always beat them. But, you know, if you believe in due, then you might think that the Twins are due to beat the Yankees eventually. And then you got the White Sox, who are very, very good and have a very good lineup and have very good starting pitching. So that looks like it's going to be the first-round matchup. So I guess my question to you guys would be, who would you rather face? Would you rather face the upstart White Sox team, or do you want to run it back with Minnesota with the knowledge that, you know, they might be due to beat you eventually. Uh, I don't know. I think both matchups are kind of tough. They yeah. are tough. And that's why I really wanted the home field advantage. Which they're not going to get. Because Jose Abreu is MVP candidate in the American League. So is Tim Anderson. Plus the young guys in Yala Makata and Loy Jimenez and Luis Robert um, for, the, for the White Sox. But then a tough situation. The Twins, they just absolutely mash. Nelson Cruz is 40 years old and is in that MVP candidate uh, race. Plus, Josh Donaldson's back. He's starting to hit. They got guys like Max Kepler who continues to produce for them. Byron Buxton's finally starting to hit for them. I think both matchups are scary. I, I really – I don't – I think the twin or the White Sox might have the edge pitching wise over the Twins, so maybe you want to face the Twins. Plus, you have that experience. Maybe it's in the Twins back of the Twins' mind that hey, we can't beat these guys. They've taken it to us the last couple of years that we've you know faced them in the postseason. I'll go to answer your question. I'll go. I'll go Twins. I it's a tough. It's a flip of the coin. I'd rather face the Twins. I'm with Scott there. I mean, I, I there's something about the White Sox that's just scared the living hell out of me. I it's I don't know what it is. Like they don't have an overpowering pitching staff, I guess, in the front end of the rotation. 
Um, it's like it's not they don't have started aside from Giolito, who has had his fair share of blow up games this year. So like he's not like a guy that's terrifying. Like he did throw a no hitter, but look, I the Twins are kind of the same way. Like, but the lineups for both of these teams are just deep, like extremely, extremely deep. And I just want to touch on the point Scott made about Byron Buxton. I am happy that that guy's hitting because I feel like he plays the game the right way. He plays defense. He was a defensive specialist, and I felt like it was only a matter of time being surrounded by the hitters that he was that he wouldn't put it together, and I'm glad that it's happening. Um, but as far as connecting that back to the Yankees, look, I, I still think they're the best team in the American League, regardless of what record says. Um, uh, when healthy, which they're expected to be in the playoffs, I, I think that teams should be afraid of us. We shouldn't be afraid of them. And as far as the favorable matchup, I got to – agree with Scott here and say I'd rather take the Twins because I don't want to see Tim Anderson bat flipping Garrett Cole. I don't want to do it. So, so as we speak, the Indians just walked off for the second straight game against the White Sox. I have it up right here. So they lose 3-2. to two. So if the Twins win against the Tigers, which they are currently up 6 nothing, so looking pretty good there, then the Twins will leapfrog the White Sox for the first place spot in the Central and knock down the White Sox to the fourth seed where the Yankees would play. So it looks like it could be, I mean, there's still five or six games to determine this, but it's going to come down to the wire for the AL Central. For the Yankees, I agree with what you said, Tyler, about you know them at their best. I mean, not, not today, obviously, they're down 7-1, but at their best, they are the best team in the American League, in my opinion. But there is a little problem with their pitching rotation. Well, not a problem, but kind of a, pick your poison kind of situation for that game three. So game one's going to be Cole without question. Game two is going to be Tanaka without question. Tanaka, obviously, you know, it's well-documented how big he comes up in playoff games. But that third spot, you got the kid in Debbie Garcia, or can't believe this is coming out of my mouth, Jay Happ, who has been tremendous over his last three, three or four starts. I so, can't take it. I don't know. Gun to your head, game three, tied at one apiece, Win or go home, basically a game seven. You going with a 21-year-old or you going with Hat? Oh, I don't want to say this, but you know where I'm going with this. It's You're going to say Hat. I don't, like, I don't know. Like, I, Do you I, want it to be Jay Hat or do you think it's going to no, be No, I don't want it to be Jay Hat. But between those two, like, yes, Davey Garcia is going to be a star in the league going forward. I think his stuff is absolutely electric. He's a, he's a young Marcus Stroman. Jay Happ is just the typical little shyster. Like, he just sucks and sucks and sucks, and then it's ready for playoff time. Like, the guy wants to go and, I don't know, try to get a contract or something, and he's just pitching like he's done. Like, he did it, what, two years ago in 2017, 2018? I think it was the year we got him. Didn't he go, like, 7-0 and to close out the year? With like a he was very good five. in 2018, and then he blew up in the playoffs in game one. Yeah, well, look, he, he's – we've seen this act before, but, look, I feel like you got to ride the hot hand. And, like, it's not that both of them aren't hot, but I just trust Jay Happ. And as much as Davey Garcia says he's not nervous, I feel like you put him in a playoff game and he's got the ability to blow up. So it's not a so, risk I'm willing to take at this point. Happ, 37-year-old Jay Happ. 3.25 ERA over his eight starts, two and two record, whip of 1.06, 39 strikeouts. So this is a guy that his ERA was in the fives three weeks ago, and he's really turned it around. 
Against Toronto on the 8th, went six in the third, four hits, two earned runs, 10 strikeouts. On the 13th against Baltimore, five innings, Pish. I believe that was a a doubleheader game. Um, One earned run. And then against Boston, he had eight shutout innings. Now, the thing is, Toronto, Baltimore, Boston, not exactly the White Sox or Twins. But then you can say that against about Davey Garcia as well. So in a game, a winner-go-home game against a lineup with the likes of, you know, a Donaldson and a Cruz and, a, you know, all these guys on the Twins or a Jimenez and an Abreu and all those guys on the White Sox, I, I feel like, Scott, I don't know if you agree with me, I feel like you got to go with the vet. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right there. I feel your pain in the, the decision that you have to make because – only a couple weeks ago that we were we were on this show you guys were bashing Jay Happ for Cash his wanted to kill him yeah I bashed him and I still just selected him to start game three so. but he's turned it on since then so maybe he heard the pod and was offended but Jay Happ's a guy who's been in the postseason before he has the experience um maybe you kind of pair them together and you start Jay Happ but you have Davey ready to go out of the bullpen. I don't know how comfortable he feels about that. Um, but I just think you give the nod to the vet who has turned it on here at the end, just based off of it, based off of experience. So I think so, you got to start Jay. Or, or how about this? I just, I just thought of it on my own. Might be the way they go. Who knows? You wait to, you wait to see what happens game one. Let's say the Yankees win game one. And then game two, yeah, you want to sweep, but it's not exactly you, you know, must there. win, you lose. So you could start a Garcia or a Happ in game two and then have Tanaka as that three. insurance for that you know, must win game in game I think three. that's really the way to play these three game series. You throw your ace, and then you throw your three guy, and you throw your two guy. Well, if you lose game game one with Cole, then you have to play Tanaka. Yes. Correct. Yeah. I'm saying you, you got to save your one or two for that do or die game because you're not getting it back. So I, I guess to elaborate on that and play a little bit of dev- devil's advocate, but not really because I think it's smart. Um, the White Sox, I would not throw Jay Happ against the White Sox because that lineup turns around against lefties so unbelievably well. Um, I think we have a better shot getting away with Jay Happ against the Twins, but just purely based off of handedness and, and the matchups that you're going to get, I would be really, really scared in a do or die with a lefty going up against that White Sox lineup. I think they can beat almost any lefty in the league with that team that they have there. It flips over to the right side so unbelievably. Because you have Tim Anderson, you have Abreu's a righty, you have um, Moncada, switch hitter, you have Grandal, switch hitter, um, Roberts, Jimenez, all righties, all their and, best guys and are Carnacion. Yeah, it's the same – it's a very similar way that the Padres are structured. I mean, they just turn around and they hit lefties very well. And I don't know. It's definitely iffy. I feel like just closing it out in two games is probably the way to go. Um, and it's also important to note that we should probably see who the other team is pitching and really either put fire against fire or try to steal a game. Um, and I think it's all going to be really dependent on that game one, game two, obviously. Yeah, and if you don't trust either, then you can do a opener situation. So Trad yeah, Green. I don't know about that one. I would rather yeah, that put did, that didn't work last playoff game. The Yankees had no, 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 no. It's definitely going to be interesting to see what the Yankees do. And you know for a fact that Cashman and Boone and Steinbrenner and everyone involved, they're going to have like 
hours and hours of meetings from now until game three. This decision's got to be close to be made already. It's got to be close to being made. Well, they already juggled around the rotation. They started Michael King on Monday to line up Cole for game one. So that's definitely going to happen. I would, Obviously, the the game two idea that I floated out that's that's interesting to me because if Cole wins game one, then I then you play with fire and then you you open yourself up to second guessing if Hap in game two or Garcia in game two gets blown up and now you have to pitch Tanaka when you could have just pitched him in game two and got it over with. So it it's very it's, interesting to see what they to do and you know this could have never happened if you know Severino didn't go down. But you know that's not what happened, unfortunately. Um, can, can we can we f- go quickly right back to the the White Sox hitting stats against lefties? Because Ty brought it up, I wanted to find it. So versus left-handed pitchers, the White Sox slash this year two eighty-eight, three sixty-four, five thirty-eight with a nine oh two OPS, and then right-handed batters versus left-handed pitchers. 293, 368, 559, 927. So speaks right into what you were saying there, Ty. They they kill lefties. Yeah, so. it's, it's very scary. I don't know if I'd like that very much. <laughs> and the Yankees are getting absolutely demolished yesterday. They got demolished on Sunday and then Monday, and then they demolished the Blue Jays on yesterday, and now they're getting killed today. I don't know what yeah. the hell is going on. Look – I don't know. It's okay. I mean, I'm fine with I, it. You didn't. I don't. You guys. I don't think Tyler watched the game because he was doing caps on. But in the first inning, Tanaka got robbed because he had a double play ball to end the inning, and it just the ball skipped up ten feet over Lemayhu's head. That scored a run. And then the next inning, Glaber made an error, would have been in the inning, then run scored. Just I don't know. One of those days, really bothering me. But this game all but eliminates the Yankees from getting that home field in the wild card series. Yeah, which is very upsetting to me. Because the Yankees are clearly a better team at Yankee Stadium, even with no crowd, than on the road. Yeah. Whatever. So that'll do it for the Yankee conversation. See what else we got here. We can talk about. We can talk about San Diego. That, that's a tough injury. The Clevenger injury, like God forbid, knock on wood, that everything works out. He's going to be fine. But they made this deal with Cleveland. That was a World Series or bust deal. And for it to go down a week before the playoffs start is really devastating for them because they've been a very, very fun, probably the biggest story in baseball so far. Yeah, like they've made a play for him, and it's just not coming to fruition. And it's unfortunate. I mean, hopefully he's okay. It's a, it's a bicep thing. So I feel like that's promising in a way because it's usually when it's bad, it's the forearm. So I don't know. Uh, look, I feel like you can get away with a little bit of bicep pain, but if he couldn't continue, I'm hoping it was more cautionary than legitimately serious. Um, but yeah, we're waiting on it. He went in for an MRI or was planned to about four hours ago. So this would be around six o'clock on Wednesday night. Um, so I'm sure by the time this drops, the news is going to be out already on as to what comes out about um, Mike Clevenger, but that's definitely a big blow for for the Padres if he can't continue. Yeah, as great as he's been for them with the pickup, obviously a, a move they were doing to make that final push. But they got guys in Zach Davies who's had a had a nice bounce back year. Uh, Denelson Lamette has had a breakout year. Chris Paddock, who was a rookie last year, had a great year. 
come back to earth a little bit, hasn't been as good. And they have Garrett Richards as well. So they have four other starters that have had pretty good years. Uh, you obviously want Clevenger there for that postseason run. As you said, bicep isn't as scary as an elbow or shoulder. So hopefully, you know, it's positive news for them when it comes back and he's there for them to make a run because they're so exciting. And he's an exciting player to watch. Um, it, it, it's just the, the first time they've made the postseason since 2006. So, like, things are looking up for the Padres. And to lose him would be would be kind of demoralizing and maybe crushes their postseason run. Like, they, they get down about it. So, I, I hope he's healthy. I hope he's able to go in the postseason because he's a guy that could throw a complete game, completely shut out an opposing team. So, Hopefully, hopefully he's okay. Padres would be lined up to face, if the season ends today, the Cardinals. Now, let's not forget, the Cardinals been in the NLCS last year. So they're not a pushover team at all. I know they lost a lot of games because of COVID. And, you know, we, they, they kind of get lost because the Cubs have been so great um, this year. But, you know, that, that could be the – a Clevenger injury could be the difference between moving on to the DS or going home early. And the last thing I want from the National League bracket is the is the Padres to go home before a Dodger series. I think that would be tremendous to see Dodgers Padres in a playoff situation, in a playoff format. So we'll see what happens there. Um, where are we going on time, Ty? Uh, we're about an hour. All right, great. So let's move on to winners and losers, and we'll call it a day. Cool. All right. Somebody All right. start. All right, Scott. What do you got? Not I. So I actually I have three winners this week. Three winners. Um, so I'll I'll go all three. Um, so my first is uh, is Garrett Crochet. I think that's how you say it. Or Crochet, uh, left-handed pitcher for the Chicago White Sox, was the 11th overall pick in the draft this year. Has come up and throws absolute BBs, a hundred plus. Uh, straight out of college, didn't play any minor league baseball, so. W- Good for him getting the call to the big leagues. Uh, my second winner of the week is Philly's third string catcher, Rafael Marchand. Hit his first professional home run on Friday night. He's been playing minor league baseball since 2016. Never hit a home run in the minors and came up on Friday night. Kid's 21 years old. Hit an absolute tank um, for the Phillies to put them ahead, which was huge for them. Great moment for him. And my third winner of the week is Trey Mancini, uh, the Baltimore Orioles. He wrapped up chemotherapy on Tuesday, I believe, or Monday. Um, So hopefully he's on the road to recovery from colon cancer. Hopefully we can see him next year for the Orioles. Um, So those are my three winners. My loser of the week is Philadelphia sports fans for the Phillies. Terrible. The Eagles are a mess. Mm-hmm. The Sixers are a mess. Oh my God! It, it, it's it's been the Flyers rough. lost to my my Islanders. The the Flyers are the one positive bright spot for Philadelphia right now. Uh, so my loser of the week is Philadelphia sports fans. My winner will be Oakland Athletics for winning the division for the first time since 2013, dethroning the Astros. Thank God. Astros 28 27. The, the Mariners had a chance. I think I'll make the Mariners my loser on the same token because they had a shot. I believe it was like two and a half games 
a few days ago, and then they just couldn't seize that opportunity. How great would it have been if the Astros missed the playoffs entirely? Awesome. Would have oh, been awesome. It would have been amazing. And now they're going to – the Astros are just by default going to make the playoffs, and they're going to face Not whoever that three seed is. It would be a miracle if the Astros – I agree, but not necessarily. Don't count them out. Because now the Angels have leapfrogged Seattle, it says on my app. Yeah, they're the only uh, team that has a chance, and they... Andrew, Andrewton Simmons opted out. So, uh, that's, You know what? He's my loser. I mean, you couldn't play one more week? That, that seems like a I, – I, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to make him my loser because I don't want to assume that he's not taking the full precaution because of the COVID and he's not taking it seriously. But, you know, kind of like Suspettis, kind of weird with five days left that now that it looks like they're not going to make the playoffs, he's like, you know what? F it. I'm not doing this anymore. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to make him my loser because I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. So I'll say my loser Seattle for not helping me out and getting rid of the Astros. And my winner will be Oakland for beating the Astros. I like it. All right. Um, So my winner is going to be the AL Central because three of their five teams um, clinched the playoffs. I don't have much more than that, but that's a pretty incredible feat. Um, With the White Sox joining the crowd here, the Twins kind of joined the Indians a couple years ago, and the White Sox are here, and they're dangerous. Um, As far as my losers, I'm going to go with the LA Angels because despite going 7-3 and in their last 10 games with, I believe they have, three games left to play all against the Dodgers. Um, They do have a chance to make the playoffs, um, but they're not going to because Houston is three games above them. Uh, The angels have to play three games against the Dodgers and Houston has to play four against Texas. So if you do the math, that's not going to check out and they still can't get Mike Trout to the playoffs. And that's absolutely pathetic. Unbelievable. If they're not making a run for Trevor Bauer, I, I don't know if they can spend any more money because they d- dedicated it to Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon. But if you have the money, you better go spend it because Mike Trout does not have a lot of time left. I mean, he does. He's still fairly young. But, like, you don't have many years of real prime Mike Trout. Like, post-prime Mike Trout is still going to be one of the better baseball players in the league for sure. But if you want to get this guy in the playoffs when he's still marketable, still a good player, you got to do it now. You went out and got Rendon. You needed to go and push all your chips right into the middle and do that. And until then, they're losers. And that's why they're my loser of the week. A lot of people don't realize he has 10 years of service time. And he's been yeah. to the playoffs once. And he got swept by the Kansas City Royals. It didn't that's really not, do much. That's not good. That's not what you want, as you know, one of our favorite managers would say. He's going to be 30 Every years single old day. next week, Mike Trout. They, no, he's he's only 20, you can't tell he's only me right now. You cannot tell me that Rob Manfred didn't decide to do this playoff system with the idea in his head, at least, you know, in the back of his mind saying, hey, this is going to get Mike Trout in the playoffs. He like they 20. made this for a certain percentage of a reason for him and yeah. they couldn't even do it. I don't know. Billy Epler's the GM over there. He's the former assistant GM for the Yankees. Um, bad, terrible. And it's a disservice to baseball because my trout should be in the playoffs. I don't care what you say. I'm, I, it's crazy. It doesn't seem like it, but literally on August 7th, he just turned 29. So on August 7th, 2021, Mike Trout is going to be 30 years old. It, yeah, that's how, that's how birthdays work. Yep. It's flying under the radar that his career is – it, or it's in the la- it's entering the latter half. Of he his has career, more bad already. years left than good years. Like let's Without say, a doubt. 
Yeah. He's 30. He has probably, I would give him the benefit of the doubt and say he has five to six good years left. And then five to six Albert Pujols. Not that bad, but, you know, not Mike Trout. Not, not, you know, 2000, not MVP Mike Trout. Because, you know, it just happens naturally. I say Mike Trout is going to be able, like, just the way he plays and how good he is technically and just athletically gifted. I feel like he's going to retire on somewhat of a high note. Like, I don't think he's going to be one of those guys that loses it completely. I feel like even in the last year of his career, he's probably going to be that 250, 260 guy with 25 homers. But that's not the guy we deserve to see in October. No, but as a 40-year-old, I feel like that's production you're going to take. And knock on wood, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. was just as good as Mike Trout. And, and who knows know, how long Mike Trout after, even after, wants to play. And after, after 30, you know, the body starts – it doesn't do the same thing. It doesn't recover the same as it used to when you're in your 20s. And, you know, you know, it's like, tough. It, 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 the time is running out to see prime Trout in the playoffs. I agree. But like Wasting we saw it, a great baseball player. It's Just, unbelievable. So hopefully 2021 we see Mike Trout in the playoffs. And they might because, you know, Houston, we didn't get to it on this episode, but Verlander went down, Tommy John, he'll be out all of next year as well. So it's really the A's and who? Because you don't know, the Astros aren't going to have Verlander. Who knows if they'll have Springer? Who knows if they rebound after this miserable year they've had? So, you know, that second spot in the division is wide open if this playoff system stays and the top two teams in each division get the playoffs. There's no excuse anymore not to have Mike Trout in the playoffs. None especially over 162 moving forward starting in January. So we'll see what happens with Mike Trout. And the next time you'll hear from us, it'll be playoff baseball. We'll have a nice little breakdown of all the series because they'll all be set. And we'll give some predictions and some analysis of the wild card series coming up next week. But until then, for Scott Roswald and Tyler Boomstick, my name is Clinton Negris. Um, Have a great week and we'll see you for the playoffs.